Hey guys, there's five minutes till service, so please come in, grab seats, grab a friend, make sure you have your notebook open or your notes, and just get ready to dive into the Word and worship with us tonight.
Guys, if you haven't already found a seat, I suggest you grab a seat right now and then just get ready to dive in with us tonight. Yep, yep. My name's Tyler. This is Brittany. We're gonna start it off with a little something called our family time question. Everybody, stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. Talk meet to somebody someone you new. Don't know. Meet someone new. And the question is: Are you a texter or a caller? Texter. Texter or caller? Yes, sir. Texter or caller? Neither. I don't have a phone. All right. <laughs> Sir, text or a caller? Text Me too. Brooklyn, text or a caller? I hate being on my phone. Call me if you need me. Call her if you need her, ladies and gentlemen. If you call me, you're not my text friend. Text or a caller, sir? Oh, this guy said you're not like my it. friend. What about you guys? Okay. Texter. Texter, caller, breathe them. Texter. Yes, sir. Caller. Cool. 
Master Corey, can we get an answer from you, texter or caller? Wait, say again? Are you a texter or are you a caller? Oh, text for sure. Me too. Kai, texter or caller? I guess he's a texter. Gmail. Gmail. You heard if you want Kai, you got to go through Gmail. Someone told me they were Gmail. Someone said neither. <laughs> if you're a tech, hey, if on three, texter or caller? One, two, three. I'm going with texter. That was my answer. Wait, wait, who's a caller? Okay, Respect. we got a few. Okay, cool. All right. All right, you guys. Um, for our announcements, our first one's going to be follow us on social media, guys. Bridge underscore YTH on TikTok and Instagram. You're going to stay up to date with our latest news. Also, giving, there is never any pressure to give here at the bridge, but it's another way we worship God. And if you would like to give, you could always go back to the station and drop something in the giving station or online as well. Or online. Connect groups this Sunday. How many of you guys are in connect groups? I see it. <laughs> we want everybody in connect groups. So can we see you this Sunday? It's going to be at 1130 a.m. Everybody say 1130 a.m. Okay, we'll see you there. Also, Bible clubs. Who's a part of a Bible club on your campus? We help run some of them, and it's really fun. If you want any more information, just go ahead and DM us at bridgeYTH underscore, and then, yeah, we'll send you all the details. All right. Last but not least, definitely not least, we have Youth Convention 2023. Ooh. It's coming up. It's coming up, and you guys don't want to miss it. There's only a few spots left. And registration closes in one week, and we don't want to see you guys want to go but not be able to go. Okay, I want to see everybody in this room there, all right? All righty, guys. One of our favorite moments, it's worship time! Make your way to the front! It's not about the person next to us. 
about God. So worship is not a concert. Worship is not just a hangout time. Worship is unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is serious business. And so we want you to remember also physically we jump side to side and so we're gonna have fun together and I think who who in here has been to like a concert like you saw your favorite band totally I've been to a lot of concerts and I think we should be more passionate about God than about some music artists right we should we should but at concerts people are only focused on themselves and other people like do I look cool do they see me singing like no Worship is about God. It's about him and about who he is and what he's about. It's not about us and about other people. So we worship vertically, not horizontally. So number two, everybody say number two. Worship is passionate, not painful. It is not painful. It is passionate. So the way that you're passionate about your favorite music artist, you should be more passionate about God, the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who cares for you. You should be more passionate about worship than any concert you go to. And it is not painful, so we take care of each other. This isn't a mosh pit, it's a praise pit. We don't hurt each other, okay? So have fun, but, but be kind. All right, number three, it is dynamic and it is not distracting. And what we mean by dynamic is we go crazy. We go off, and I love that about you, Bridge Youth. You guys are unapologetic. You go off, you go crazy, and I love that about you. You're, you're exactly who God created you to be, wild, a little edgy, and a little crazy, because that's me too. We all have a little bit of crazy, but the thing is, is that we then do enter a time where worship is fun and exciting, but then we enter a time where it's focused and intimate, and what I mean by that is if you need to close your eyes, just get you and God, just remind yourself it's you and God in that moment. So it is dynamic. There's highs and there's lows, but it is not distracting. And so I just wanna encourage you. You know, I think we should all be big on respect. And I wanna remind you that this is the house of God. This is the house of God. And God wants to do something. He wants to do something in your life. He loves you, he cares for you. So I just wanna encourage you in that. We want you to know what worship is and what it isn't. So it's vertical, not horizontal. It's passionate, not painful. It's dynamic and not distracting. So Bridge Youth, can we worship the way we're supposed to worship? Can we get ready for that moment? All right, let me pray. worship a concept. We worship you as our king. And God, we thank you for who you are and what you're about. God, there's these moments, this fun, this excitement when, we, when we're worshiping for you, God, it's about you and who you are. And God, you are good. You are faithful. And God, you love us so much. And so we can't help but be passionate and excited and ready for what you want to do. God, having expectation in our heart. So God, as we get ready to worship, we pray that you would move right now and through our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go, Bridget. All right, Bridget. Come on, hands up. 
go into every battle knowing that you've already won. You've already won. You take with the enemy and every evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good come on every voice in this place we see you take you take with the enemy and every evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good come on do you believe that tonight for you we see you take you take with the enemy and every evil and you turn it How many of you are so grateful that we serve a good, good God? A good, good God. And I, I don't know how many of you guys walked in here with anything today, but I know I walked in with some stuff. And life's not always easy. But like the song said, we serve a God who only knows triumph. And whatever you walked in with today, lay it down. Don't let it distract you. Don't let it take away from this moment. Don't let it take away from what God wants to put on your guys' hearts tonight because you're all here for a reason. And he has something for every single one of you. So listen, be open, open your hearts, open your eyes, open your hands and be ready to receive what God has because he is an overcomer. He is a redeemer. Whatever you are walking through, it is never strong enough to overcome our God. We serve a mighty God, a God bigger than any issue you could ever walk through. And he is here in this moment tonight. Can you guys feel it? He is here. Here at Bridge Youth, we believe in you guys. You guys are not just the church of the future or tomorrow. You are the church of right here and right 
now. So I want to invite one of our students, Lila, to come up and pray for us. If you guys can help me and just posture yourselves, close your eyes and bow your heads for us. Lila, can you pray? Dear Lord, I thank you so much for all these students here tonight, Lord. I pray that you would just take away any distractions right now in this room, God, that you would just make room for Corey to move through you tonight in these students' lives, God. I just pray that everyone in this room would just know that they are so loved by you right now, God. I thank you so much for this opportunity that they have to hear from you tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lila. Who's excited for tonight? I know I am on the way back to your seats. High five two people and say, get ready. morning harrowing new witness accounts of the Nashville school shooting into something far more it turned into the manifest presence of God yo Bridget how we feeling tonight y'all good you look good stokes you're here you like who you're sitting next to it's too late to move now what are you gonna do get this kid's getting up and moving dang that's tough Hey, so stoked you guys are here. If you got a Bible, uh, open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3. If you got a device, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't got a Bible, no worries. We'll have it on the Sky Bible. How many people's school is on spring break right now? Yeah, there's a handful still on spring break. And yet here you are. You're getting to the front of the line when we go to heaven. When the rapture happens, we're going to the front of the line. Everybody who went to the beach, to Disneyland, everybody who's out and away doing whatever else, they're going to have to wait. They're back of the line for all of them people. Hey, if you're brand new, maybe you're right here in the room or watching online, uh, you're the coolest person in the room. We just want to say welcome. Here on your spring break, you chose to spend some of your time with us. We just think that that's so awesome. And we appreciate that so, so much. Here around, the, around Bridge Youth, uh, we have a saying. We like to welcome our guests every week in a way that never gets old for us. Everyone clear your throat. <clears> throat> we are here to build you up, not 
We love you. We back you. You don't have to believe to belong here. We're just so stoked you came. You're going to hang out. Hey, uh, before you leave, my name is Corey. My wife, Amber, is right over here. We're the pastors uh, here at Bridge Youth, and we would love to meet you. Hey, I want to echo one thing that our service host uh, announced before we get into the message tonight. Youth Convention. It is... Like two weeks away, three weeks away, two, I don't know. Three weeks, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks away, two weeks. That's two plus two is five. It's five weeks away. Um, it's two weeks away. Here's the thing. Uh, I got details right before service on this. We didn't even have time to get this to our, our service hosts. The girl spots sold out. The girl spots are completely sold out right now. If you're a lady and you're trying to go, here's your only hope. Take out your phone, write this down, email Amber, awhite at thebridgechurch.com. A as in Amber, white, just like the color, at thebridgechurch.tv. Did I say com? My bad. Dot TV, like Temecula Valley. Dot TV. Um, Email Amber, tell her, hey, I want to be on the wait list. We may be able to move some things around. There's only a handful of guy spots left. So, boys, you've got, I mean, potentially a matter of days, but either way, uh, registration's closing within the week. So you got to go sign up ASAP. It's on the website, richchurch.tv, uh, richchurch.tv. It's also on the app. Go check that out. So we'll be in uh, San Diego. It's going to be absolutely dope. All right, we are continuing in our series entitled Virtual Reality. Somebody say virtual reality. What is virtual reality? Virtual reality, the definition of it is a a computer-generated simulation of a three-dimensional image or environment that can be interacted with in a seemingly real or physical way. It's an experience that seems real but isn't. Anybody have an Oculus? I told a story last week of a friend who, who got an Oculus. He was telling me how he was getting addicted to this thing. And he, he ended up buying like a, a Call of Duty type first person shooter game. And in the game, it felt so real to him that in, in playing the game and killing another character, he was like, I felt actual emotional guilt. It's like, oh, bro. This friend also, he fell asleep with his Oculus on and he woke up, didn't realize that it was on, and he lived in it like it was the real world for three days. And that's not true. <laughs> the fabric of reality and virtual reality was skewed and blurred. Um, virtual reality is something that is seemingly real, but it isn't. And I think in so many ways, right now, we're living in a sort of virtual reality. The world is not as God has intended it to be, and that's because of the deception, the manipulation, and the lies of the enemy, world, culture. We talked about culture last week, and this week, we're going to dig into some pretty hot-button topics again. We're going to be talking about right and wrong, a.k.a. morality and truth. If you want to get real sophisticated, um, tonight we're going to be talking about, everybody everybody, uh, uh, grab a pretend cup of coffee and stick your pinky out, like when Patrick is trying to coach uh, Spongebob, he's like, pinky, Spongebob pinky. Come on, where's all the Spongebob fans? Is mayonnaise an instrument? (laughs) Tonight, it's a cappuccino. (laughs) It's an an Americano. (laughs) We have our friends all the way from Manchester here with us tonight. Uh, Alini and Alex are joining us from uh, Audacious Church in Manchester. And that's how they drink their coffee in Manchester, like this, all, all fancy. And their coffees are tiny. 
Like, you, you buy a coffee here at Starbucks, it's like a three-gallon thing of cold brew. It's like eight billion milligrams of caffeine straight to the veins. Over there, you buy a large coffee, it's like itty-bitty living space. Like it's so tiny. But tonight, we're going to be talking. You guys feeling real sophisticated? I don't see the pinkies. Take a sip. We're going to be talking about the disintegration of morality and the erosion of truth. Y'all ready for this? Look at your neighbor say, y'all ready for this? That is what we're talking about tonight, morality and truth. And if you missed those really big words, don't worry. Those will be the two points we dig into tonight. If you're a note taker, God loves you more. I love you more. If you're not a note taker, I pray that for the rest of your life, anytime you go to In-N-Out, you can't taste your food. I know. Alex Alini, how good is In-N-Out? Yeah, it's... Better than, better than Nando's? Is it Nando's? It's Nando's, isn't it? But we say Nando's. Is it, it's Chick-fil-A better than, than Nando's? It's different. It's better. Hey, 1776, who won? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, if you're a note taker, I love you. Write this down. Here is your sermon in a sentence. Anybody know who Bob Dylan is? Okay, first off, all you country music fans who were hating on me last week, uh, you don't know who Bob Dylan is. You ain't a real country music fan. Now, okay, Bob Dylan is more like folk music, but still. Uh, Deriving from a great Bob Dylan song. Here's your sermon in a sentence. Times are changing. You don't have to change with them. Bro, we could pray right now, and that is it. So much is changing, and it's changing very rapidly in culture and society, in in morality and truth. There's so much that's changing so quickly. And what we as the people of God need to realize, especially those of you who are young, the youth, the, the, the next generation, times are changing. You do not have to change with them. Somebody say amen. As you're seeing everybody, this like y'all see it all the time. You ever have a friend who in junior high, they're one way, and then by freshman year, they're a completely different person? You're like, who are you? Now, I'm not talking about fashion. <laughs> I, I, uh, we were cleaning out our garage, and, and Amber found two of my high school uh, IDs. One was uh, uh, freshman year, one was sophomore year. Freshman year, like, skater. I had straight blonde, bleached hair. I had the, oh, man, what were those necklaces? The ones that, like, they were, like, no, uh, they're, like, the, the little, like, I don't know any other way to say this, and this is youth ministry, and you can't say it like this, like steel balls that were, like, you know, on the whole necklace, like it was one of those. Looked like a straight 1990s skater. Sophomore, emo. Long black hair, looking sad as can be. The, the yearbook picture lady's like, smile. I said, <laughs> it was, and I was saved at that point. I was like, I got the joy of the Lord, but it's down in my heart, okay? It's not on my face, <laughs> I'm not talking about fashion. I'm talking about people who lived one way and now all of a sudden high school makes them change everything and culture is shifting and friends are shifting and morals are shifting and truth is shifting. You don't got to change with them. Amen? And I hope that you grab a hold of this a bit tonight. Tonight we're digging into 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be in verse number 1 to 5 and then 6 to 9. If you're going to go back and read this, kind of study it again, um, the way that I see this chunk of scripture is that really as you dig into it, verse 1 to 5 speaks so much about the disintegration of morality 
And then verse 6 to 9 speaks so much about the erosion of truth. 2 Timothy uh, is, uh, this piece of scripture is the Apostle Paul writing to his sort of protege, Timothy, about a bunch of issues going on in the town of Ephesus. And he's dealing with some of this. And he begins to talk about the last days and the end times and some of what we're going to talk about tonight. So would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? All right. What did I say? One, one to nine. One to nine. Here's what Paul says as he writes to Timothy. He says, you should know this, Timothy. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. Somebody say amen. Amen. You're like, it's tough out there, y'all. Gas prices are like $8 billion. Bro, they're worse than the UK. It's wild. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, Uh (laughs) and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Sound familiar? They will betray their friends and be reckless, they will, uh, they will betray their friends, be reckless, and be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act righteously, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. That talks so much about the disintegration of morality. This next section really talks about the erosion of truth. Verse number six. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teaching, but they are never able to understand the truth. There's a bunch of cultural context there that we don't really have time to dig into tonight, but suffice it to say that the people that that Paul is referring to were people who were taking advantage of, of, of ladies, women who oftentimes uh, are still living in the guilt of sin, even though Jesus had forgiven them of all of their past and their sin and still living in it. There are people who are coming around taking advantage of the guilt that they felt. So we don't really have time to dig into all that, but verse number eight, these teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. We'll dig into that in a minute. They have depraved minds and they counterfeit faith. Remember that. But they won't get away with it for long. Someday, every, everyone will recognize what fools they are, uh, just as Janus and Jambres. Before we sit down, let's pray. God, speak to us tonight. God, um, I do pray uh, for two things. Yes, God, two teams. Uh, one for Real football, American football, your team, the Raiders, please help us. God, I don't know what the heck we're doing. I'm going to pray for three teams, actually, Lord. Also, the Lakers, who barely won last night, and my blood pressure was through the roof when AD fouled at the three-point line. That dude made all three free throws. God, and I also pray for uh, your football team, Everton. God, help us to not get relegated. In Jesus' name, amen. I literally only prayed for that because our UK friends are here. I can't watch people run around a green field for an hour and a half. Um, what's the most annoying thing to you in life? Do you, you got like one thing that just annoys you more than anything? 
Sports! Sports! Ah! Um, uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that annoy me. A lot of things in life annoy me. I, I, I tend to get annoyed by things maybe I shouldn't get annoyed at. Maybe the, towards the top of the list would be bad drivers. <laughs> People who don't know how to drive. Um, I know, I, I know I'm like probably like the second most manly person you've ever seen in your life. So you would make the assumption. I don't know why anybody just laughed at that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I, I ride a Harley. And when you ride a motorcycle, you realize so quickly how dumb people are behind the wheel. I'm like, you see the little thing on the left of your steering wheel? That's called a turn signal. And I'd love if you'd let me know when you want to come over into my lane. Another thing that annoys me so much is people who chew with their mouth open. Bro, if you are around me with gum and you're out here, you're out here like... Bro, I, I can't smack you because you're a minor, but she Kai done, I'll... Pay him five bucks, all right? <laughs> I will pay Kai. No. Um, dude, chew with your mouth closed. I remember I worked at Walmart, and there was, this, there was this, uh, this girl who had the same break as I did, and she would always eat hoagie sandwiches. You know what hoagie is? It's like, it's like a Subway sandwich, but like the generic kind that you just buy at the store. With extra mayonnaise every time, bro. Like extra, extra mayonnaise. This, bro, I'm talking, I'm talking, this John was swimming in mayonnaise. And she would be out here. Like I could see the strings of mayonnaise attached to, bro, I know. So annoying. Chew with your mouth closed. It's so annoying to me when people don't just like always leave their phone on vibrate. Like if your phone's not always on vibrate, what's wrong with you? Like, your phone just rings and it makes noise? Like, why would you want that ever? Like, if you don't always have your phone on vibrate, that might be early signs of bad things, all right? I, and it drives me bonkers. And it's even worse when someone's phone's ringing and they just don't do anything about it. Like, and everyone's just looking at them like, you, you finna do something about that? You gonna turn? I hate traffic, a.k.a. Winchester anytime after 4 o'clock. Dude, it's so rough. Um, so annoying is when my phone doesn't work. How many times I say this, Amber? What do I pay all this money for if it's not gonna work? Like, you know when the Wi-Fi goes down at your house, right? Is the Wi-Fi company gonna stop charging you? Like, if my bill's $50 a month, that's for 30 days out of the month, 31 if there's 31 days in the month, and if my Wi-Fi doesn't work for like, I don't know, 12 hours, that's half a day. You're gonna knock off like 75 cents, a dollar off of my bill? No, like you won't, right? So they make me sure my Wi-Fi works. Bro, I don't know. It shouldn't make me that mad. Um, oh, dude, this one's, this one's one of the worst. You ever, um, you ever walking and you go through a door and then you see someone behind, like you hold the door and then they just do this? And you're like, you're welcome! You're like, yeah, no problem. They just look at you on that same note and on that same vein. You ever driving? How many people drive? You ever driving, and then like you're in all the traffic, the Winchester traffic, and then you see some poor, unfortunate soul just waiting there, right? And you look in your mirror, and there's like 8,463 cars behind you. But you're like, you know what? I'm a godly Christian. I'm going to bestow upon them a gift that which they do not deserve. And you pull up and you go, and then they don't give you the, You know what I mean? Like, you should be, like, legally obligated to hit them with the, 
And if they don't, you should be able to run up, pull them out of the car, I don't know, like kick them in the shin or something, you know, something. It's so annoying. Give the hand wave, okay? You know what's so annoying to me? Patriots fans. The worst. You know what else is so annoying? I'm not even, I'm not even, I don't really even mess with baseball that much, but Yankees fans. I like the gear too. Like Yankees, Yankees gear is awesome. The fans, the worst. You know what I, you know what's so annoying to me? Maybe this is at the top of the list. Cats. Cats are the worst animal to ever grace the face of the earth. Bro, this is not a joke. I, I don't even plan to share this. Last night, I was in my garage. I was working on my car. <laughs> Actually, was. <laughs> I was working on my car, and, and I hear, and I look, and there's a cat, like, what, my garage door was open. There's a cat walking by, and it's like, it's like acting like it's about to come in my garage. I was like, ah, 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 get out of here. Get out of here. And then I punted it all the way across the street over into the neighbor's yard. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> I wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> Cats are the worst, bro. And it's annoying all the cat people who are like, yeah, but Corey, you've never, I don't know why they do that, but Corey, you've never met my cat. I have heard that eight billion times. And then I meet your cat. And your cat's like every other cat. It sucks. (laughs) You know what I hate and what's so annoying? People who step on your shoes. I love shoes. When, when I put together an outfit, I start from the feet up. I always begin with the shoes. I have too many shoes. I have so many shoes. I get it. I have a problem. I'm giving some of them away, okay? And the first step to recovery is admitting that you have a problem. And I do. I have a problem. But, like, my shoes, like, I take care of my shoes. I've had these Docs about as long as my wife has had a pair of Doc Martens that she got, a pair of boots. If you would look at my Docs versus her doc, my Docs, her Docs, it would look like, it would look like BC and now redeemed by grace. <laughs> it looks like busted and trusted. It looks like damaged, and I don't know a word that rhymes with damaged, but mine are gr- and hers are terrible. Like, but I, it's because I'm so intentional. Everybody say intentional. I'm intentional about taking care of my shoes. Hers, her docs are over here disintegrating. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing we're going to dig into, the disintegration of morality. And I'm going to connect that idea in just a moment, the shoes idea that is. What is disintegration? It's a sort of falling apart over time. And that, I think, is what's happening with morality. But disintegration can be avoided with one thing, intentionality. Same thing with with shoes. Why are my shoes, like, so much nicer and last way longer than Amber's? Well, because the first thing I did when I got my docs is I I put the leather treatment on it. And then then as I'm walking around things, I'm not, like, kicking curbs. And I'm not, you know, people get around me, and if I have a nice pair of shoes on, I'm like, hey, junior high boy, I love you, man. But two things. Number one, you're not wearing deodorant. And number two, I don't want you to step on my shoes. Back up. (laughs) I'm not all about this like COVID six feet distance thing or anything, but you need to stay six feet back, buddy. I'm not trying to get you to step all over my shoes. 
but intentionality. And, and here's what I think when it comes to the disintegration. You guys know what the word disintegration means. It's the sort of falling apart over time. Think about a pair of leather shoes that didn't get uh, the, the conditioner, the leather treatment, that's sort of flaking away, and it cracks, and it dries out, and it's just falling apart. It's what's happening with morality. And when it comes to that sort of thought and that idea, here's what I want to tell you. You will not be accidentally godly. Not in this day and age. You are not going to naturally cultivate biblical values and principles and lifestyles. You will have to be intentional. Somebody say intentional. You will have to be intentional. How? It's not the message tonight. I don't really have all this time to get into it. But three things really quick. God's word, God's church, and spiritual leaders. God's word, God's church, and spiritual leaders. That's how. Two things I want to talk about when it comes to the disintegration of morality. The first is this. No self-control. There's no self-control. And that's one of the reasons why uh, uh, morality is disintegrating. Paul hints at this in verse number three when he says these people, they have, they have no self-control. Disintegration happens when we abandon self-control. Paul talks in this verse about how these people, they're going to love God rather, they're going to love, they're gonna love uh, uh, pleasure rather than God. They're going to love pleasure more than God. Now, here's the thing. We are not called, somebody say not. Shove your neighbor, say no. Shove your other neighbor, say no. We are not called to live that way. We are not called to live undisciplined lives that is just all willy-nilly. That's not how I plan to preach that part, but willy-nilly. It's like, I'll do whatever I want, whatever I want, however I want, with whoever I want. Sometimes I surprise myself when I'm preaching. That's not how we're called to live. We're called to live disciplined lives and self-controlled lives. The fruit of the Spirit, uh, the last fruit of the Spirit mentioned is self-control. That's how we're called to live. And in the midst of a, a, of a society where morality is disintegrating, you're going to stand out like a sore, thru, sore thumb if you are living a life of self-control. I think that we're never more like Jesus than when we are exercising self-control. This last weekend, we celebrated Good Friday and Easter. Who was here on Good Friday or Easter? Dude, wasn't that opener on Easter so sick? It was so awesome. Good Friday, man, we love, it was the first time we did a Good Friday service in person. It was so special. And really what we were focusing on, and if you were there, you saw Friday night, it was legit, completely black, white, gray. Like it was no, and then Sunday morning, we had the flowers and the vibrancy as we celebrated the resurrection. But as we celebrated the crucifixion, we had a sort of somber spirit in the room. And I, I think about the self-control it must have, take for, must have taken for Jesus to be getting nailed to the cross and having the ability as the Messiah to snap his fingers and call down a legion of angels to completely obliterate everybody that was causing him that pain. But instead of doing that, he exercised self-control and he prayed for their forgiveness. It's the part that always gets me in the passion of the Christ. As Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That, man, that self-control, I think we're never more like Jesus than when we exercise self-control. But have you noticed that in our day and age, in our culture nowadays, it's like self-control is shamed. 
Well, no, man, like, uh, mm, I'm not trying to go to Fat Burger. I'm on a diet. Oh, you're on a diet. Look at you. It's like, ah, uh, well, you know, I, I want to not eat greasy garbage 24-7. Once in a while, for sure, but, you know. Or, or, or how about this one? You know, I don't, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. And they, they go, well, what's the ring on, on your left finger? Because that's, you're not married. You're 16. Oh, uh, it's a purity ring. I'm waiting until marriage. Oh, you goody two shoes. I remember when I, when, I, when I would tell friends, like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting until marriage. Why? Or what's wrong with you? And there's, like, this shame around, like, exercising self-control. Or, or, or when you tell a friend, like, oh, no, 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 I'm just not into that stuff no more. Oh, what, you think you're better than me? No, I never said anything like that. It has nothing to do with you. It's just, that's not for me. Yeah, so you just think you're on your high horse over there, like you're better than everybody else. That is not the case at all. Like, I don't think I'm better than anybody. And Christians, if you think you're better than anybody, like you think you're sinless just because you sin less, mm-mm. So don't ever think that. But most of the time, we're like, nobody's saying that, but yet you're shamed for having self-control. We were talking to one of our youth leaders um, yesterday, I think, and, and we were, she, she runs a podcast, and, and we, were, uh, we were doing an episode on her podcast. And, and she had told us about how when she got saved, she had some friends she used to go out and drink with. And she had said, like, yeah, so I, I tell my one friend, one of the ones I was closest to, yeah, it's not for me anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. And her friend got legitimately mad at her. Said, what? You, you, you're just not going to go out and drink with us anymore? No, it's... It's not, like, it's not like I'm not going to hang out with you. It's not like I don't love you. It's not like I don't, it's just I'm probably not going to hang out with you guys on Friday night when you go out and you're doing the things that I don't want to do anymore. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. She's talking about how she doesn't even hang out with those friends anymore because of how much they shamed her for having self-control. Don't let nobody shame you for having self-control. Don't let nobody shame you for living a disciplined life. Man, the thing is, is this is how God's called us to live, and morality is disintegrating because you have an entire world that's living without any self-control and living with no self-discipline. Man, you, like, there's no self-control in the world, and, and we're supposed to be the crazy ones for living self-control. The second thing I want to talk about with disintegration of morality is, is pride. Everybody say pride. Verse number two, uh, Paul alludes to this when he says, they will be boastful and proud. I, I, love, what, I love what C.S. Lewis said when it comes to pride. He said, he said, make no mistake about it. Pride is the great sin. It is the devil's most effective and destructive tool. Whew. Check this out. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about pride a ton, right? Uh, Proverbs 6, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but, humili- but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. The, the Bible talks so much about pride and it's never good. And yet here in our society, today, in 2023, we literally put on marches and parades about pride. And, and God's word talks left and right about how pride is not. Pride was like one of the original sins in heaven. That was the, that was the sin of Satan. 
proud, so much so he thought of himself better than God and tried to overthrow him. And yet we celebrate pride. Man, I go back to what C.S. Lewis said. It is the great sin and the devil's most effective and destructive tool. How does this have anything to do with the disintegration of morality? Well, I think what ends up happening is that is that pride creeps into hearts and it convinces people that, that, that they know better than God. It convinces people that they know better than God. Who determines what's good and evil? What's right and wrong? Who gets to decide that? Let me say it like this. Who gets to decide, who gets to decide that if not God? Don't worry about it. It's just someone who wants attention that doesn't need it. Who get, if not God, who gets to decide it? Well, last week I talked a bit about subjective morality, so I won't dig all into that. But, like, who gets to decide that if not God? You? Me? And, and, and how prideful is the thought of subjective morality? That I get to decide what's right or wrong? I get to decide what's okay and not okay? I get to decide what's good and evil? Yet we have all this world and all these people who are living these lives that's like, oh, your truth and my truth. No, honey, there is just truth. And you don't get to decide what's true and not true. God gets to make that call. But we have this prideful society that goes, no, 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 no. Nobody can tell anybody what they can and can't do. I'm all about freedom, baby. USA, USA. Like, I'm about it. I love freedom. The, the, the gospel is centric on freedom. The foundation of the gospel is freedom. Without freedom, the gospel is not possible. God thought up freedom. God created freedom. But you know what else? God created good, evil, and morality, and we don't get to decide what is good or evil, right or wrong, what is moral and not moral. God decides that. And it is so proud and arrogant to be like, yeah, well, you know, I just, I just disagree with, well, you know, I just don't think that my God be, my, you know, my God would never think that. There is no your God or my God. There is just God. And you don't get to decide who God is. You only get to discover who God is. You hear that? You don't get to decide who God is. If, if, I, if you came and met me and we meet for the first time, which if we've never met, please come introduce yourself after service. I'd love to chat with you. Love meeting new people. But you don't get to come up to me and start deciding who I am. Just like I could not decide who you are. I wish I could walk up to every single person in the room and be like, dude, me and you both, Raiders fans, baby, let's go. Raider Nation, best fan base on the planet. Can I give a shout out to my, can I give a shout out to my family? Yo, Raider Nation, fool. <laughs> I don't get to do that, right? Some of you would be like, uh-uh, don't put me in that camp of crazies. <laughs> you know, like, so, it would be, in some ways, as I start trying to decide who you are, it would become disrespectful and dishonoring. But we do that to God. Oh, I don't think I could worship a God. who it, That doesn't matter. You only get to discover who God is. And it's prideful to be like, God, you have to bow down to my preconceptions of who you should be. And God, you have to bow down to what I say is right and wrong. Why is, why is morality disintegrating? Because pride has crept into the hearts of people. Isaiah 5 verse 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Pride has got people out here calling good evil and evil good, right, wrong, and wrong is right. 
They look at, they look at the life of somebody who's godly and they go, no, uh, wrong. Oh, oh you, you're going you're gonna to live a godly life, a biblical life? Bigot. What? And nobody's forcing you to live this life. But we're the bad guys. Make that make sense. But that's last week's messages. Times are changing. You don't have to change with them. A lack of self-control and pride are huge contributors to the disintegration of morality. So let me ask you these questions. And maybe you want to write these down. Rhetorical, this is for you to think about and let echo in your own heart. Do you live a disciplined and controlled life? Are you prideful and arrogant? Or are you humble? Because... The reason this reality is borderline virtual is because of the lies and the deception of the enemy. Have you potentially been deceived into embracing an undisciplined life that has no self-control? Is it possible you've been deceived into letting pride creep into your heart? Last week I did this, and I want to do this again after this, uh, this point. Shotgun statements on the disintegration of morality. If everyone's doing it, beware. Be careful of the things people justify with it's not a big deal. Don't join in in throwing out all that is sacred. Embrace biblical nonconformity. I know that's a couple big words. I'm going to say it again. You need to embrace biblical nonconformity. Times are changing. You don't have to change with them. Point number two, let's talk about the erosion of truth. What's erosion? Um, Does anybody ever work on like a car, motorcycle, um, basically anything with a battery, right? You ever go to start a car and it doesn't start and it does that clicking noise, click, 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 click. What does that usually mean? Battery. You ever pop the hood and then you look under the, the hood and you see on the terminals, there's this like nasty, ugly looking, crusty stuff. That's erosion. So what's happened over time is that this stuff, this buildup, has gotten all over the cables and the terminals. And what's ending up happening is that, is that it's, it's enabling the vehicle from receiving, from receiving and transferring the power that it should have. And so it is with the erosion of truth. As truth is eroded, it is inhibiting people from receiving God's power and transferring God's power, just like a battery that has all this erosion over its terminal. So let's talk about two things uh, with the erosion of truth. Number one, counterfeits. Everybody say counterfeit. Look at your neighbor say, you fake. <laughs> Tell them I was just kidding. <laughs> Here's the thing about counterfeits. In, in verse 8, um, Paul, Paul says, these people will have depraved minds and counterfeit faith. Counterfeit faith. When it comes to money, experts on counterfeit money, you know what they don't do? They don't study the counterfeit. They become so familiar with the real thing that the moment a fake comes along, they can spot it from a mile away. This is what you need in this day and age. You need to be so familiar with the real thing You need to be so familiar with God and God's word and God's character that the moment anything counterfeit comes your way, you see it from a mile away and you can say, fake. I know that that's not real. I know that's not the real thing. It's a counterfeit. It's a cheap, generic knockoff. And that is what we need. Otherwise, truth continually gets eroded. Eroded over, it's like, and the thing is with the enemy, like Satan doesn't always, um, 
we think that Satan is always going to offer us the polar opposite of what God offers us. But that's not what he does. What he does is he offers something that's similar but lacks power. Similar but lacks power. Like, like a battery that's all eroded and has no power. It's similar but it lacks power. It's like, like he, wants to give, he wants you to take on these different labels of identity but it's not your God-given identity. See, it's still identity. It's similar, but it lacks power. It's like, here we go. Buckle up, buttercup. We're going to talk about this again like we did in the February series. It's like sex. <clears throat> oh, all the junior highs just got really, really tense. It's like outside of God's boundaries and outside of the parameters of, of marriage, it's like, oh, this is similar, but it lacks power, and God's blessing's not on it. But the, but the world is trying to get you to embrace this fake knockoff counterfeit. It's like, it's like, like prosperity where, where the world wants you to get, the, get, get you to fall in love with money and possessions. There's nothing wrong with money and possessions. But you're blessed to be a blessing and God will bless you and prosper you if he knows that you can be a conduit of blessing. A conduit does what? It receives power and then transfers it out. You receive blessing so that you can be a blessing. But the enemy offers a it's like if you were to go if you were to counterfeit money, don't. YouTube, do not shut off our live stream. I'm not telling them to counterfeit money. But if you were to try and then you were to go to like like Walmart and try to buy up a bunch of electronics, you wouldn't roll in with like monopoly money and be like, just cover it. <laughs> you know, like you'd look like a fool. You would get something that looks so similar, maybe they'd overlook it. That's what Satan's doing to you. He's putting stuff in front of you that looks so similar, maybe you'll overlook it. Maybe, maybe you won't quite see the difference between what God's offering you and what the enemy's offering you, that counterfeit, that cheap knockoff. You know, when I was reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, I thought to myself, like you might have, who is Janus and Jambres? Paul mentions these people, Janus and Jambres, who, who were like, they opposed Moses, right? I'm like, what the heck? I've, I've read Exodus. I don't know who Janus and Jambres is. So I, I dug into Janus and Jambres. And while their names aren't mentioned in Exodus, they are mentioned by Paul. And the best that we know, Janus and Jambres were uh, Egyptian magicians. If you grew up watching VeggieTales, you were like a kid's ministry, like, like through and through OG. Like you know all the, so you know Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons. But if you knew the clap even, bro, like, you are a kid's ministry OG. And, and you, if you grew up like that, you probably know a bit of Moses, uh, the story of Moses in Exodus. And how Moses and Aaron, there were all these crazy miracles, the plagues of Egypt and all this. And the Egyptian magicians were able to mimic some of those miracles. For example, Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh and they're like, yo, you need to let the Israelites go. That's God's people. And he said, let his people go. And Pharaoh's like, how do I know you're coming from God? How do I know you're not just some people that want to take the people I've enslaved for yourself? And, and so Moses and Aaron go, you want to know? And they're both holding like shepherd staffs and they throw the staffs on the floor and the staffs become snakes. First off, heck no. <laughs> I don't mess with snakes, all right? But they do. But then these, these Egyptian magicians, who we believe are Janus and Jambres, 
They throw their staffs on the floor, and they also become snakes. Again, heck no. Now there's four snakes just slithering around the room? Uh-uh. That's all right. Because what happens next is Aaron's former staff, now snake, slithers across the room and goes and eats the Egyptian uh, magician's snakes. Whoa, wait. What does this have to do with what we're talking about right now? They were able to do what was similar but lacked power. See, they were able to do what it is that Moses and Aaron did, but then Aaron's staff ate their staff for lunch. It's like, it's like if, if they both went and they both picked up cereal, Moses and Aaron got Cocoa Pebbles. Janice and John Brace, Chocolate Rocks. <laughs> Anybody else grow up eating nothing but generic cereal? It's like Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, they had Fruit Loops. Uh, Janice and, and John Brace, they had Fruit Rings. It's not the same. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like uh, uh, Moses and Aaron had Dr. Pepper, Janice and John Brace, Dr. Thunder. <laughs> it's not the same. You know, uh, uh, I remember... I remember when I was a kid, I should have come up with like 80 more of those comparisons because it's hilarious. Uh, it's like, uh, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I got really into like BMX bike. Anybody, uh, anybody bike? I got really into biking one summer and, and I really wanted, I really wanted a bike that I could, my friends all did dirt jumps in East Riverside. There are dirt jumps all over town. So we'd go and we'd do like these dirt trails and hit these dirt jumps and stuff. And I was getting pretty, it's getting pretty cool with it. I was getting pretty epic with it, doing some pretty big jumps. And I, I was always borrowing my friend's bike because I grew up skateboarding. I ended up going back to skateboarding. It's my real, like, it was my, my first love. And, and so I went to my, my mom for my birthday and said, Mom, I want a BMX bike. Mom, I need a mongoose. And that was when Mongoose was, like, the, like, best bike brand. I was like, I need a Mongoose. Here's the one I need. Mom, I need this because I, I, I'm, I'm going to be doing these crazy jumps. Mom, I need a good bike. And she's like, look, Corey, we're poor, man. We're broke. We're like, I don't know if I can do it. I'll see what I can do. My birthday comes up. I unwrap this, like, box and huge logo on the front of this box. It doesn't say Mongoose. It says Huffy. <laughs> It was a purple Huffy. It was such a budget bike. How budget was it, Corey? You know how, like, you got your, like, I don't know how to explain this. Like, you got your handlebars, and then you got the little, like, crossbar right here. You know, like, how bikes have the little crossbar right there in the middle on the handlebars? No crossbar on the Huffy. A purple Huffy, no crossbar. It's just a big old U. It looks so ugly, bro. I show up to, like, Saturday with my friends to go biking. I'm on my Huffy, purple, no crossbar, embarrassed as heck. They're like, what is that thing you're riding? I say, it's, it's, it's my Huffy, all right? It's all my family could afford. <laughs> so then my friends start making fun of me, man. They start clowning me. It's all right. It builds character. <laughs> and then there's only, like, at that point, like, all the dudes in the room are going to understand. The only proper reciprocation to that type of clowning is I have to do every single jump my friends do, and I have to go bigger. I have to do the bigger jump. The, any that they're afraid of, I got to go do those jumps. Like, I have to, I have to get on the stuff. <laughs> I think purple happy. I got to do these jumps. So there's this one jump that we always go to that was like massive and none of my friends ever wanted to do it. I said, I'm doing the jump. They said, Corey, don't do it, man. I said, I'm doing it. Don't tell me nothing. I tried to go on this jump. I'm a huffy. I'm airborne. I knew it wasn't going to end well. I land and this huffy was so dang cheap. It couldn't take the impact and the handlebars broke forward. I went chest first into whatever the stem thing is boom 
chest first into this thing. I thought it like caved in my sternum. I rolled. I got all scratched up, all messed up. My bike's broken. I'm on five miles from home. So I walk this broken bike all the way home. I'm limping. I'm bleeding. I'm all messed up. I probably wasn't wearing a helmet because it was the 90s. I could have died. I see my mom on the porch. My mom's looking. And then my mom has the nerve, the audacity to ask me, hey, Corey, what happened? I said, you bought me a huffy. That's what happened. (laughs) And then she whooped me, spanked me, and then got mad at me for breaking my bike. (laughs) What's the point? The counterfeit, the generic, the knockoff, it couldn't hold up. The counterfeit, the generic, the knockoff truth, it will not hold up. It won't hold up your life. It'll destroy it and tear it down. It won't hold up over time. Um, You know how like all of society now, at least the vast, 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 vast majority, anybody who's not like a, I'm going to use a word I wouldn't usually use, scumbag, how basically everybody who's not a scumbag, you know how we will watch a movie that depicts slavery and we'll ask this question to ourselves. We'll go, how in the heck did we ever let that happen? Uh, There's a movie, there's a movie called Glory. It's an old movie. If you've never seen it, ask your parents for permission and then watch that movie. It is an incredible movie that will absolutely bring you to tears. And in some of these depictions of, of slavery, you'll sit and ask yourself, how did we ever let that happen? I think there's things that we're all embracing right now that in 100 years, we're going to look back and go, how did we ever let that happen? It will not hold, this generic counterfeit knockoff version of truth, it will not hold up. As the band heads up, my last thought here, Janice and Jambres, you know who they were? They were like mo, uh, 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 like what, what Joseph was to Pharaoh later on, like a right-hand man. That's what Janice and Jambres were. They were influential famous borderline celebrity type people in Egypt. Know this, that these counterfeit truths, this erosion of truth, it'll often come through very influential, famous celebrity type people. So beware of that. So the band's heading up and we're closing down. The last thing I want to talk about with the erosion of truth is this redefining that's happening. There's this redefining going on, going on in the world. And verse 8 talks about how they'll oppose truth. They'll oppose truth. I think the deception of the day is this redefining of what is contrary to what God has already said. And a couple, a couple chapters later, Paul says in, in 2 Timothy 4.3, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Definitions are being distorted. Like, like love. Love, for example. Everybody's out here, love everyone. I believe that. I totally believe that. In fact, I think that's biblical. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think that is basically love God, love people. I believe that. But love everybody does not mean celebrate and endorse. Endorsement and love are two different things. I can disagree with you and love you. And they're redefining, people are redefining what love is. They're redefining what morality is. You've probably heard it something like this. It's all good. It's all not. 
It's not all good. And the enemy would love to trick you into living like it's all good. The world is wanting to redefine right and wrong, good and evil. They're wanting to redefine sin. They're wanting to redefine marriage. They're wanting to redefine what family should be. The world's even trying to redefine basic biology that God set into place. It's like the entire world is trading the truth for a lie. It's like we have the truth and they're trading for it. But Paul, in an earlier book of Romans, talks about people who are doing this. He literally says they traded the truth about or they traded the truth of God for a lie. Hear me tonight, young people. Don't fall for the lie. Don't let the world redefine these things because definitions and truth aren't up for debate. God didn't leave them up for debate. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, you want truth? Jesus said, you're looking at him. I am truth. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Here's the shotgun statements about erosion of truth. Truth is not subjective. Truth is best found in God's word and in God's church, where a church is teaching God's word. Beware of anything people want to redefine. Here's one. Deception is only deception if you don't know you're being deceived. The moment you realize you're being deceived, it's no longer deception. Lastly, love and acceptance doesn't mean celebrate and endorse. Times are changing. You don't have to change with them. So there's people in the world that want to They want to disintegrate morality and pull you down with them. The enemy wants to absolutely erode truth. But the last verse, the very last one in our our scripture that we read today, said this about this Janus and Jopris. They won't get away with this for long. Someday they will recognize, someday everyone will recognize what fools they are. Because one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, every... So it's like, do you want to continue to bow to culture's counterfeit fake knockoff truth? Do you want to continue to let the enemy deceive you and disintegrate morality? Or maybe tonight you're hearing this and you go, I would much rather just humbly submit my life to God and say, God, because I'll tell you, God's got better plans. God's definitions are better. The way that God tells you to live is actually the best possible way that you could live. I'm convinced the fullest, greatest, most adventurous life that you could ever live is one lived for Jesus. And the enemy's over here tricking you lying to you, telling you, no, you're missing out on all of this stuff. You're not missing out on anything except for death and destruction. Go talk to some people who have lived in sin for a while. They'll tell you there's nothing down that road for you. So maybe tonight you say, well, I, then I humbly want to just give my life to Jesus. And I don't know. Let him lead me in morality. Let him tell me what's right or wrong. I don't know. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life. I'll take a chance on him. I promise you, it will be a decision that you'll never regret. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to make that decision right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes?
God, I know that this was a heavy message for a lot of young people and I know that there's so much to this, but God, I pray that hearts would be softened tonight. God, I pray that hearts would be open to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in here and you would say, yeah, Corey, I don't want to follow the world or culture. I don't want to fall for the lies of the enemy. Uh, maybe some of you feel like, like this sort of veil over your eyes has been lifted and you can see clearly now and you're, wait, 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 maybe I've been being deceived. And you would say, I don't want to be deceived anymore. I want to follow God and I want his word and his life to be a light to my feet, a lamp into my path. That's you and you'd want to just give your life to Jesus tonight. I'm going to ask you in just a moment when I count to three to just lift your hand. You could put it right back down if you want to make that decision. This is your moment. This is your chance. Don't put off to tomorrow that which you could do today. When I get to three, you just lift your hand. One, two, three, go. Oh, this nice. Man, it's so cool. You can put your hands right back down. All right, we're going to pray. The Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. It is really that simple. Prayer is just words that we say with our mouth that we believe in our heart. That's how we kickstart this relationship and journey. So would you pray this right after me? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. From this day forward, lead me in your ways and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, in just a moment, you're going to hear about uh, something called the next seven days. We want to get that to you. But I don't want to break this moment because there's something specific that I want to do. Would you do me a favor? Nobody distract anybody. Would you stand to your feet? Would you head up to the front? We're not going to do another hype song. So if you're worried about someone stepping on your shoes, don't worry about it. You'll have plenty of room up front with nobody jumping into you. But I want to pray for something specific. And I was thinking about this video that I, that I saw not long ago. Um, of this uh, wide receiver named DeAndre Hopkins. And he was in a practice where him and, it's like a, a practice between his team and, and an, an opposing team. And football guys are just wild first. Anybody play football? Football, y'all are, y'all are a different breed altogether. I, football, favorite, favorite sport to play, basketball, favorite sport to watch, football, for sure. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins kind of like puts this move on this dude, you know, catches the ball, and he sort of, he fumbles the ball, he drops it, dude starts talking trash to him. Guy who's not even in the game on the sidelines walks up to DeAndre Hopkins, puts his hands on him, and starts telling DeAndre about how he should be afraid of him and the things he'll do to him. And DeAndre Hopkins looks at the guy, and he says maybe some of the wisest words I've ever heard. He says, I fear God, boy. He goes, I fear God. And then he uses a bunch of choice words that maybe weren't quite so wise. But <laughs> I thought there's so much wisdom in that, in this expression that I don't fear, man. Anything that you could do to me would be temporary. Any harm that you could cause would be momentary. I fear God. And my hope and my prayer is that you would gain wisdom 
to fear God. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not talking about being afraid of God. I know God. I'm not afraid of Him. But it's a fear that's like reverence. It's like if you were to drive an insanely fast car, you would have a level of fear around that gas pedal for the power that's under that hood. How much more powerful is God? It's this reverence. So last week I prayed that you would have courage. This week I want to pray that you would have wisdom. Because in a world and a culture that's disintegrating morality and eroding truth, you're going to need God's wisdom. Would you do me a favor? In a posture like you're just receiving something, something, would you just put your hands out right in front of you as I pray wisdom over your life? God, I pray for the wisdom that every single young person in this room would have the fear of the Lord in their hearts. God, I pray that as they become so acquainted and familiar with you, Jesus, the way and the truth, that they would begin to be able to spot a counterfeit and a fake from a mile away. God, I pray as so much of this generation is fallen to the wayside, as they're abandoning morality, as they're abandoning biblical values, as they're going their own way, as they're pridefully doing whatever they want, whenever they want, with whoever they want, that God, in this room, there would be wisdom. Wisdom to fear you above man always, to follow you in all their ways. So God, I pray, wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we pray, um, this will be a little bit different and almost off topic, but um, I don't know if Josie and Grady are in the room. Josie, you are. Amber, would you come up with me? Grady, if you're in here, there you are, buddy. Would you, would you come up? I just want to pray for you guys. Um, this isn't something that we typically do, but um, Josie and Grady have been a part of Bridge Youth for seven years now, six, seven years. They got here about five minutes after we got here. Um, when we first became the youth pastors here, uh, we would, you got up up on stage, Grady. He said, I'm a man, I don't need no stairs. Um, about five minutes after we got here, we... Uh, uh, we met them, and what we would do is we were, we were having, when we lived in a one-bedroom apartment across the street over there, we would just have anybody from the leadership team, the team, anybody who wanted to be on our team, come over to our house and hang out. And then um, one week, there were these random people that we've never met and didn't even know their names in our house, and they're like, hey there. <laughs> and it seemed like at first, the only things we could find common ground on was Jesus and the office. And we were just like, and we just fell in love with them so quickly. Um, more than anything, we just want to pray blessing over you guys. But um, I'll publicly say, Bridge Youth would not be where it is or what it is without the West family. And they will forever have their fingerprint on anything that God ever does here. Because when it wasn't this, they were in it. They've been such faithful leaders. They've followed God. They've been people of honor. They've in so many ways set an amazing example. And I just want to pray blessing over them as they head to the Pacific Northwest. And I'm going to just pray that God will bring them right back very, very quickly. Hey, I know that there's a handful of you that like know and love Josie and Grady. And I have no idea how well this is going to work or not work. But if you want to run up and lay hands on them while I pray, 
hop up on stage, come lay hands on them um, as we pray a blessing. Everybody else, like Lord Sidious from Star Wars, would you just reach your hands out towards them as we pray for them? God, God, we thank you for the West family. We thank you for the gift that they've been, not just to our church and not just to our youth ministry, but to our lives as our friends. God, as our brothers and our sisters in Christ, we thank you for the gift that they've been. God, I thank you for every moment of investment, God. They have spent literal time, energy, money, investment here. And God, I pray that you would bless them back. God, I pray that you would make their path so clear. And in every step of the, the way, that you would just bless them incredibly. God, that everything their hand touches would be blessed. That everywhere they go, they'd be blessed. That your protection would be on them and that you would do what only you can do through them, God. I pray that the desires of their heart would be met. God, I pray that as they delighted themselves in you, that you would give them the desires of their heart. God, I pray that they would always know that they've got home and family here. Um, that our doors and our arms will always be wide open to them. We thank you for them. We release them with blessing into your arms and your hands and your plans. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you just join me in thanking this amazing family? All right. Now cut it out. We're going to just a happy moment. Anybody else so thankful for God? As we move into this next song of worship, I want you, those of you who, who are believers, to have this question echo in your heart like it does for me. When I think about morality and truth, where would I be if not for Jesus? Where would I be? Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands all over this place? And in this moment, Let's let, let's let this sort of attitude of thankfulness flow over our hearts, that God's hands on us, that we're in his plan, we're in his will. God, we love you so much, and now we worship you with everything in us. Praise you, God. We worship you. We honor you. You're so good to us, God. You're so good.
voice, we sing this out. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing. given us truth, but the world takes it and it turns it into something that is fake. And then when we, when we start to embrace this fakeness, that it then, we, then the world starts to celebrate it. But where does that leave you? It leaves you feeling empty, depressed, even anxious. You know, we've been talking about virtual reality, so I'm going to be a nerd and talk about VR for a second. There's this thing that happens, and a lot of you know that when you when you wear a VR, when you wear this virtual reality, when you wear it for a, an amount of time, it actually makes you motion sick. And this happens because your brain is looking through and it's thinking, this is truth, this is truth. But your body knows it's fake. And it makes you sick. And I believe this happens in our world when we start to embrace this fakeness of our world, it ends up leaving us sick. But you know what the easiest way to stop this motion sickness? It's just take off that fakeness and start to embrace it. I believe that we need to start doing this in our lives. We need to start, we need to start taking off this fake lens, this fake social media, these fake relationships, and instead start picking up the truth that is God's word. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you guys today. If you don't already regularly dive into God's word, I want to challenge you to start doing that. Make it a habit in your life. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you, whether that's an hour a day turning off your phone, putting it on do not disturb, and instead for that hour diving into God's word, diving into prayer, diving into worship. For some of you, you might not even have that much time. Maybe all you can do is five minutes. That's okay. Just put it down. Put it down. Put down that lens and pick up God's word. And maybe you can't even, maybe, maybe you know you know yourself and you're not very good at having those habits. Come talk to a leader. Come talk to one of us. We'd be happy to do a Bible plan. Happy to do a Bible plan with you. I'm telling you guys, the truth, when you start picking up the truth and putting up the fakeness of this world, your life begins to get 10, 100 times better. And maybe, maybe you haven't ever experienced that truth until you gave your life to Jesus, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Can I tell you that is the best decision you could ever make with your life? Can we give a round of applause for people that made that decision? Hey, we know that that is not the end of the journey, but that is the beginning of the 
journey. So we want to give you a free resource, just a set of videos that is just going to walk you through the next seven days of your life. All you have to do to get those videos is DM us at bridgeYTH underscore. Just DM us next seven. We'll send those videos to you. If you don't have Instagram or you're going on a social media cleanse after this, hopefully, you come talk to come talk to a leader. Come talk to Pastor Corey, Pastor Amber. We'll be happy to any way we can get those videos to your you guys. And hey, Wednesday nights isn't our only services that we have. We also have Sunday morning connect groups happening at 1130. We go into the main auditorium, enjoy worship in there, and then come over here and enjoy amazing, amazing talks, amazing connect groups here. We want to see you there. Show up, get plugged into a connect group. And hey, guys, can we give a round of applause to Pastor Corey for that amazing, amazing message? Hey guys, we love you guys. We hope you have an amazing, amazing week. We will see you guys next week.